Uh, hey, everyone, it's Russ. Welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, uh, we are continuing our series about um, caregiving, and I'm excited to welcome uh, Paula Kennedy-Dakey on the uh, conversation with us. Um, Paula owns a, a company called Fiscally Balanced, and uh, I'll let her explain a little bit more about what she does uh, and how she helps people. But uh, Paula, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Ross. I really appreciate the opportunity today. Yeah, well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we can share our conversation with folks. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are and uh, what it is you do? Sure, absolutely. Well, the profession that I'm in is daily money management, and um, my company, Fiscally Balanced, handles um, personal financial matters for those that are limited in ability, time, or knowledge. So. For today's conversation, we'll probably be focusing more on the ability or lack of ability um, part um, of the types of clients that I work with. So, um, but yeah, I've I've been working with um, um, clients across um, Georgia and across the country, actually. So, um, so it's not just limited to here locally. And could you explain a little further about what's involved in uh, daily money management and how that's different from maybe hiring a financial advisor or a financial coach or some, someone like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, you know, I say that the professional partnerships that I form as a daily money manager are extremely important because I'm not going to have the answers to every single thing. So in some instances, I may refer clients to a you know CFP like yourself or to a CPA or to an insurance broker or a life care manager or whatever it may be. Um, I focus more on the day-to-day finances. So that can be things like paying your bills. That can be things like you know managing you know your checkbook and taking care of you know bank deposits and reconciling your um, checkbook, reconciling your insurance claims, you know, all of those types of daily functions that one has the and interactions they have with their money. So it's not so much the long-term investing. Um, I leave that up to the smart folks like yourself. Um, it's more of the day-to-day function of money management. Well, I'm glad you provided that specific perspective um, because I think that's a nice segue into our discussion around the role that you can play and the supports you can offer uh, in a caregiving situation. So let's say it's uh, an older couple, for example, and um, uh, one spouse is in a situation where they now need to care for their um, uh, for the other spouse. Or it, it could be a caregiving situation where you're taking care of or supporting an aging parent. Um, could you speak maybe a little bit more specifically about, uh, and I know you mentioned this just a moment ago, but a little bit more specifically how you might um, get involved and help in a situation like that? Sure, absolutely. I think in those situations, um, you know, people come to either daily money managers or folks like yourself or other professionals, um, typically at a time of crisis, <clears throat> not always proactively, and where you kind of see things, you know, coming on, if you will. Um, unfortunately, I have very firsthand knowledge of, you know, dementia and what that can do from a devastation perspective to your family. And the crisis management that also ensues, um, and unfortunately with multiple family members. So it's one of those things where when you're in that situation, you don't even know who to call and you don't even know which you don't even know what you don't know. 
Um, what I like to try to get people to think about is really looking out for some early warning signs of um, a reason behind why are bills all of a sudden not being paid on time? Or why is there a stack of mail that there wasn't, you know, previously before? Or why is my mom or dad really good, you know, with their finances and all of a sudden, you know, their checkbook is not balanced the way that it should be. Um, <clears throat> so I think that really including the, you know, the, the family, the friends, the people that touch that um, particular person where they can keep on the lookout for those types of signs is, is helpful. But as far as the work, once I would get involved, it would be around paying one's bills on their behalf, because as we know, as people, you know, become elderly and get to a place where there might be cognitive impairment or dementia or even vision issues where they can't even physically see their bills or physically pay um, a, uh, a bill any longer or write a check any longer, um, you know, whatever it may be, there's going to be, you know, varying different um, reasons why somebody might call a daily money manager, but those are the typical ones when you're dealing with more of the senior population. So um, as far as how we get involved, it's really taking over their day-to-day functional life with regards to financial money management because they can no longer do so themselves. And um, that inability is usually where we get called in. And when you do get called in, are you, um, I'm sure every situation is going to be a little bit different, but are you <clears throat> typically referred in or does uh, maybe a senior call you or maybe their adult children calls you or is it, is it really just kind of a, a little bit of everything? Yeah, I think unfortunately most seniors that are already in the midst of something going awry um, they don't realize that something's going awry. So you don't typically get the phone call directly from them, except in the instance, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm about to have a conversation um, later today with somebody who's losing her vision. She's elderly, she's cognitively fine, but she can't see any longer. You know, she's struggling to be able just to, you know, open the mail and see what the mail is and be able to pay her bills. And so in those types of situations, you might get the senior to call you. But in many cases where you're dealing more with cognitive impairment or, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, those types of things, you you don't typically see the senior calling you. So it is um, usually the family. Uh, it's usually somebody that's close to the individual in some cases, it can be, you know, the, the professional partnerships that I've established, you know, whether it's a life care manager that's been called in to help with the health of, of one's loved one. And then they realize that there's a stack of bills sitting there that haven't been paid and, and realize they probably need help on the financial side of things. So they may call me or a financial advisor, you know, like yourself, who may be involved with working with clients and you start to see, because you've worked with them for so many years, you start to see a degradation and you realize, you know, they may need some additional support or additional help. So, um, so it's really a varied, um, varied and how people will pick up the phone and and give me a call. But, um, but I would say in most circumstances, it's typically the, the children of, of the elderly elderly person. Got it. And Going back to kind of this hypothetical situation, uh, let's say it's one spouse that is in a caregiver role for their uh, for the other spouse. Um, um, that's that's kind of a, an example we've used throughout this series. Um, and let's say that um, either one of them or one of their adult children um, is introduced to you or gets in touch with you. Um, I know I'm painting a, a pretty um, 
rough sketch here, but could you maybe just give us uh, an idea of what an engagement might look like, like in terms of like, what, what are the steps? Like, how do you get involved? What happens first? What happens next? And is it, um, is it a situation where you're trying to basically set up systems and processes where, where maybe that spouse can then take things over once it's better organized? Or do you typically find yourself working with, uh, with uh, individuals and families on a long-term basis? Or is it really just going to be kind of depending on the circumstances? Um, I guess the short answer is yes to all of the above, um, as with mo- most things, right? Um, I personally like to either do uh, everything I do is tailored to my clients. So if I have somebody who really just needs a triage and needs a better workflow and processes set up to be able to take over and manage themselves, then I can certainly help with that. Um, what I would say in most cases, usually that caregiver is overwhelmed and exhausted and emotionally drained. And they're happy to have somebody else involved in that and happy to keep them on board. But, um, but I have no problem helping to train somebody and get them up to speed on, on the situation and the steps involved really try to, you know, you're trying to, you know, piece together. It's like a puzzle. You're trying to piece together um, all the information you can and, the caregiving spouse, it, if they were historically involved in the finances, they may be able to help fill in a lot of blanks. If they weren't, then that's where you're really starting to dig through a lot of paperwork and you're trying to um, use that as, as your first step in the process to figure out, okay, first of all, what needs to be paid right now today? So your lights don't get cut off or whatever it may be, right? You um, you want to make sure that the most immediate things are taken care of. And then it's a matter of trying to fill in all the other blanks and the other pieces. And I, I, I'm reminded of something you said at the kind of the, at the outset of the conversation, which is you typically get involved if people have a lack of time, ability, uh, interest, I think you said. Um, and the example you just gave, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not maybe necessarily a situation or a lack of ability. It's someone that um, maybe doesn't have the time and or the energy. And something we've talked about in other conversations around this idea of caregiving is that it's important to obviously um, care for the, what I'll call the patient, but you also need to exercise self-care uh, and make sure that you don't wear yourself out uh, by focusing you know, exclusively on, in this example, your spouse. Um, and so maybe bringing someone like Paula in to assist you uh, and just take that additional burden off of your shoulders, make sure that it's getting done and getting, getting done accurately and on time um, could be a, a great way to make sure you're taking care of yourself um, while you're also focused on caring for your spouse. So um, anything you would add to that, Paula? No, I mean, I think that's a good point. I mean, the I think the statistics are that something like 40% of caregiver spouses pass away before the person they're caring for. Um, the burden that's on them is pretty tremendous and is, is a very exhausting, emotionally draining thing. So wherever they can try to get relief, whether it's hiring somebody to clean your home, whether it's hiring somebody to pay your bills, whether it's hiring help to physically help care for um, the individual that, um, you know, is your spouse, uh, you know, there's, there's so many ways that you can certainly get additional support. Um, and it's just a matter of whatever, taking the pressure off of whatever is ailing you the most too, because while yes, there may be an inability on the part of the person that has dementia <clears throat> or some sort of cognitive impairment, it's, the, the lack of time becomes the real problem for the caregiver 
right? They, you know, they're pulled in multiple directions and then they're not exactly young either. (laughs) So, um, you know, trying to do everything that they need to all, you know, continue to do when before there were two people in the household taking care of everything. Now you've got one person that's caring for the other and doing all the roles of both, both people, you know, having additional support, especially like a daily money manager is extremely, I think, extremely valuable and important. Yeah. Um, and I know earlier you mentioned a couple of examples like uh, bills getting stacked up or, or, or worse, not getting paid um, or not getting paid on time. Are there any other, for lack of a better term, warning signs or um, signals that people should maybe be on the lookout for sure. with their, you know, with their aging, you know, whether it's a spouse or a, a parent or other friends and family members to, to know when to maybe reach out to someone like you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I wrote this down. I um, The Alzheimer's Association is a really good resource. And there's two different points that the Alzheimer's Association points out in like the 10 early warning signs that have to do with finances in particular. Um, one says is the changes in ability to develop and follow a plan or work with numbers. I've personally seen that. Um, and then the other is poor judgment when dealing with money. So many times it is the stack of bills that are piling up that aren't getting handled all of a sudden. It is the um, keeping track of those of paying bills on time. Um, it is the inability, you know, I've personally seen the inability to balance a checkbook, you know, by a family member that was exceptionally great with numbers, you know, so that's a perfect example of all of a sudden not being able to work with numbers. And I think, you know, watching somebody spend in a dissimilar way than what they would have previously. So if all of a sudden you see somebody that's kind of, that's where the poor judgment comes into play, where all of a sudden they're spending on things either they don't need or it's duplicative or they're just, you know, using rash judgment when they historically haven't been. um, Those are, you know, definitely some early warning signs and things to, to keep an eye out for. Got it. Got it. And I know, um, I know in our conversations outside of today, um, you share with me that you work on a variety of things. Um, and I know you mentioned you were, I think, I think one big project you were working on was helping a business owner convert uh, a lot of history in Excel over to QuickBooks or something like that. So yeah. I want to be clear that um, Paula brings a, um, a diverse skill set to the table, not just focused on working with seniors, although clearly that's part of the the work she does and where she can add uh, a lot of value. So um, as we as we kind of start to wrap up the conversation today, Paula, anything um, anything that you would add or um, anything that comes to mind that I uh, that I haven't highlighted or asked you about that you think would be um, relevant to this conversation around caregiving? Um, No, I mean, I would say that when you're looking to hire somebody, if it's not me, I would highly recommend hiring somebody that's with the American Association of Daily Money Managers. Um, I'm on their national board. And the reason that I support them is, um, you know, they're a great plethora of resources to where if I don't have the exact answer to a very nuanced situation, I have, you know, a whole group of people that are peers of mine that I can certainly reach out to. But as far as somebody hiring, um, you know, we get independently background checked every two years. So I think that if you've got somebody that's coming in that you're going to hand over the keys to the kingdom of your, you know, bank banking information and all of that to, you want to be very careful in who you're hiring. So having somebody that you know the association is has independently background checked and there's a code of ethics and high standards of practice, I think is. Um, is important to consider whenever you are, you know, definitely going to bring somebody in to 
be that intimate into your family. I, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's super important. And it brings something else to mind, too. A, a lot of people uh, might, um, uh, let's say it's an adult child that, that sees some of these signs that you highlighted um, that, that maybe they need to step in and get involved. Um, I, would, I would caution people uh, against relying on family and friends because as well-meaning as they might be, they're typically going to think and do things from their own perspective. Um, and they might not bring the um, objectivity to the table that someone like Paula can. Um, I think there's tremendous value in that. I've talked, um, I've talked uh, with some of the other professionals that we've had involved in, in these caregiving conversations about the value of objective third-party advice that's not coming from a, uh, a friend or a family member. So I think that's super important combined with what Paula is saying about um, using someone from the American Association of Delhi money managers that does get independently background checked every couple of years, um, things like that. So just uh, be, um, you know, be, uh, be smart when you're seeking advice and help um, and consider the source, I guess, is, uh, is what I would, uh, would add, uh, add to that. Um, Paul, this has been great. Um, as you and I have discussed um, separately, I look forward to having you back on where we can do maybe a little bit deeper dive about you and your background and, and what kind of led you to do the work you're doing today. Um, if folks want to learn more, if they want to get in touch with you and, and maybe get a better understanding of what, uh, you know, what you do, how you can help them, what's the best way for people to, uh, to reach out and learn more? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I've got a plethora of information on my website at fiscallybalanced.com, um, which is F-I-S-C-A-L-L-Y balanced, um, altogether.com. And then, you know, you certainly are welcome to reach out to me via email at paula at fiscallybalanced.com. And, or you can just pick up the phone and call me. Um, some people just are phone people. So 706-927-8659. Um, there's also a form on my website if you prefer to, you know, go that route as well. So. Yeah. Thank, and we'll, we'll include uh, Paula's uh, email, website, phone number uh, in the show notes for this episode. So we'll make it uh, easy for, for you to reach out and, and talk further if that's something uh, you're interested in. Paula, this is, uh, this has been great. I appreciate you, uh, you know, jumping on and uh, and discussing this with us, and um, I um, I appreciate what you do, and and know uh, know that you play a vital role, especially uh, in a lot of uh, caregiving situations out there. So, uh, any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I think the last thing that I would say is, you know, anybody that would contact me, the initial consultation is you know complimentary. I want to make sure that it's a good fit for both parties and um, everybody gets their questions answered. So um, so don't hesitate if that's if that's a need that you have. All right. Thanks again, Paula. And uh, everyone out there, thanks for, uh, for joining us. This has been uh, Women's Retirement Radio, and we look forward to catching up with you on our next uh, episode. All right. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Paula. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of wealth care capital management.